0: Hello everybody, I'm Matt Micucci and you are listening to The Jazzy's Podcast.
1: on The thing that works for me, help me get away from myself, I wanna hunt you like you
0: Everybody, Jazz's online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz Podcast, and it's brought to you in conjunction with Jazz Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Today, we are thrilled to introduce you to the globally renowned artist Veronica Swift. Having firmly established her presence in the modern jazz landscape, she recently released a self-titled album through Mac Avenue Records that showcases a passionate fusion of diverse musical styles and influences, encapsulating a unique vision of music she aptly defines as trans-genre. With bold and resounding musical expression, the album pays personal homage to legendary figures like Beethoven, Billie Holiday, Duke Ellington and Queen and many more, while skillfully bridging the realms of jazz, European classical music, Italian opera, bossa nova, glam rock, funk, vaudeville and beyond. In our conversation, we delve deep into the wellsprings of inspiration behind this visionary project and explore the closeness of her transgenre concept to an empowering message of identity. Additionally, we also touched on several other things like the notion of the voice as a potent instrument in its own right, and much more. So fire up on Audio and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazzes Podcast. <laughs> Hey, Veronica, welcome to the Jazzy's podcast.
1: Hey, man, it's good to be here. I've, I know the Jazzy's, I've been following uh, all the publications and podcasts all the time, so it's just great to finally get to jump on here and get to talk to y'all myself.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Well, we've been listening to you. We love your music. We've been listening to your music a long time, and uh, you've got a brand new album coming out. At the time of recording, it's not out yet, but... Uh it probably will be up by the time it goes out there the podcast does but here's the thing um here at the jazz is podcast i just you know we have a little icebreaker question that we start the podcast with and it's kind of the way i like to put it it's a way of collecting memories so i asked the artists that i talk with to share an early memory from childhood of when they awakened to the beauty and power of music and when they you know maybe even thought about becoming a professional musician eventually now this is particularly tricky of course when it comes to you because you were basically born in music so uh it seems a bit silly to ask that but what i want to ask instead no it's
1: not it's not (laughs) oh
0: well please i'd I'd love to hear uh if you have an early memory that you could share with us of a moment perhaps when you were a little you know when you were a child when you thought well this is really cool i might want to do this professionally one day
1: (laughs) sure yeah well um i'm you know, I, it's funny. You do mention a good point. Like I never had the, when it comes to at least with jazz music, I never had a light bulb moment because it wasn't ever like something that struck me as that's what I want to do. It's just, it's just what we did in my family. It's like when you learn a language growing up, you know, you don't think like for me, English, like I wasn't thinking like, oh, I want to learn how to speak English. Yeah. You just grow up doing it right. Whatever your language is and bebop and jazz was that. First language for me, um, growing up on the road. But the thing that I did have a kind of light bulb moment when it came to when I was suddenly exposed to the, um, world of, uh, well, now with YouTube, we got to watch live performances of, of some of the heroes of, of yore. And when I saw, like, you know, Freddie Mercury up there with Queen and, um, Wembley, you know, that concert, that, that to me, when I saw a band that finally uh, got to mix genres the way I always dreamed of as a kid, and not only were they doing it musically, uh, you know, sophisticated, but it's also just raw, visceral rock and roll power and energy. And that's what I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. But at that point I was already like doing jazz and had a career. So I was, I had to really be careful with how am I going to, Let this play out in my life. I don't want to turn my back on who I am, you know, my, my blood, but I got to follow my passion somehow. And so that's what this record is. It's like, finally, I get to put all these influences in one place and just my proclaim my love for all music
0: as a matter of fact, you know, uh, just introducing this, uh, album of yours, uh, uh that, that's just about to be released, uh, I have seen it defined as trans, uh, trans genre, uh, in the sense mm-hmm. that it finds you exploring a wide range of styles and influences in the way that you talked about. But, you know, how did you approach the process of just blending these diverse musical styles? Because there's just so much going on in this record. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, but but also like you can sit in I mean if you know the references and you're like you, you know well learned and educated in music history and the lineage then this is a great album for you to like pick up all those little easter eggs and go oh that's a reference that's a reference but it's also not about it's not a you know like it's not a heavily sophisticated like it's sophisticated but not heady you know it's not it's not like you you won't get this album if you don't get the references you know what i mean like it's just a place where there all this good music comes together and if you just even if you don't know what what aria is from which opera you can still sit and get the emotional impact from the piece yeah. and that's what i try to get to with all my original music with all my arrangements with who i choose to play in my band um can you uh be the bridge from um this ethereal kind of emotional uh universe and make it uh, be the bridge and communicate that to the audience that's got to be there and then the rest of the stuff whether it's like you know this this reference here or that bebop scale here all that serves the emotional context you know
0: yeah well it's also maybe also about uh making it your own work as, as in like you know for example what i was thinking about was that this album is uh Titled uh, Veronica Swift. So, I mean, it seems like with that, uh, you were trying to kind of announce it as a personal artistic statement.
1: Absolutely. And actually, about the title, like there was like, maybe it was two different titles. I wanted to originally call this album Trans Genre. Also, because of the just the times we're in, like where finally people are coming into their own um identity on this on the sexual spectrum too like that is also an undertone of what we do it's the whole like it's not like you have to either be straight or gay or or man or woman like it's not this this world is not so black and white like that I mean we try some people try to make it that so they can easily market you mm. but as when I talk to artists or when I talk to my trans fans too like it's it's like it is it's a spectrum and that's something that our generation is starting to embrace more of and so that's really what i wanted to communicate with this so that's why i wanted it to be called transgenre. but uh it, it was also that the my record label brought up a good point they said this is the first time you're really getting to be you and essentially when i perform shows like you know everything i do has a universal statement um and i want to connect with people through this kind of this mission statement but what I realize what people come for is they come to get to know the artist and s- people are still getting to know me. I'm still on the come up, you know? And if I'm going to like really get to be my fullest self on stage on recording, I've got to make that statement of this is who I am. You know, I am what I am quite literally Yeah. the the stuff that you heard before is a part. It's a piece. And the stuff that comes down the road may also just be a piece of the puzzle. But in one place, at least in my life right now, here is the fullest representation of me and my story and the struggles I've been through to try to get to this point and hopefully that speaks then to the other you know the other mission statement of like finding yourself on the spectrum art artistically or you know in sexuality or whatever what have you
0: right so in that sense then therefore uh the choice of the songs uh, for this project must have been particularly important, right? So each one has a personal, uh, importance to you.
1: That's how it's gotta be on every record. I mean, that's gotta be every record for, for me personally, like as an artist, I couldn't make an, an album or put on a show if that, if every song wasn't that. Yeah. You know, if it, it, it's not that you have to like live the lyrics of the song, but just know how to, you know, it's like being an actor in a way. Like you have to draw from your personal experiences to play a part. And that part is a part of who you are. It's not just you're being somebody else. I'm singing someone else's songs and I'm really good at it. And my technique is there, this and that. No, it's it's how can I bring myself into this? And that's why making it your own, whatever that, you know, it's not like an active decision. I'm going to do this song and make it my own. It's something that naturally just feels right. Like some actors choose not to play certain roles because it doesn't feel natural to them. Right. Some singers don't sing certain songs or write, you know, I wouldn't write a song about something I didn't experience, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in this, every song of this album, like, it, yes, it does pull from a certain moment um, personally and professionally in my life, in my entire life up to this point.
0: I also very much appreciate the fact that, again, just going back to this fusion of genres and styles, uh, that it sort of reflects the way In which people consume music nowadays. I mean, this might Uh be a personal observation, but it's kind of, it's obviously changed a lot. Uh, music is obviously more readily available than it was maybe a few years ago. And the role of an album has changed too. So I felt that in a way, your new record redefines that because here is an album that presents a program of songs that where, you know, you may be listening to the same song and you're kind of, on a journey through different styles. And it just becomes this thing that is just spices things up a little bit in terms of how we conceive or how we understand uh, an album Mm -hmm. in the 21st century.
1: Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I uh, was thinking about that, but that would be one of the hurdles or challenges with this uh, project. Um, Live is one thing because it is obviously, you know, it's a, it's a journey, and everyone's sitting in that same place together but with an album not everybody's listening to it in the same c- context you know like some people may put on uh, a jazz record when they're cooking and they have their dinner party or some people are listening to jazz like like they are sitting down and analyzing it or and then rock and roll people put it on when they're like getting ready to go out like it's all a style of music kind of serves the for an album at least a lot of the time nowadays serves the context you're in and that's why people go to playlist which obviously before it was radio and radio would try to have a diverse enough um selection of songs but it's still like this is what's popular and with playlists it's i kind of think maybe in a way it serves a similar purpose like we have similar enough but it's still like broad enough that people can learn get something different out of it find new artists or recordings uh but what the uh, digital world does not do is really i mean serve an album because people are listening to playlists versus full records and what this has not changed for me with the times is a full record is always like a story like a movie you have to if you sit down and listen to it from beginning to end you can see the plot develop and the characters that are introduced and the themes that are introduced it all connects in this through line this thematic through line but then the songs are good enough to stand alone too um and because I've, because of this, uh, album is so many different genres, it's, it posed a problem. Like, okay, so what if someone's putting on this record and they want to like get in a mood? This would be a difficult record for someone who wants to be just sit and have like a nice quiet night at home. There's a few songs on there with that, but you know, I've never been the artist that can make a monochromatic or, you know, uh, kind of album because that's just not life to me. And I, and I want project to have experiences of life and you go on this journey. So, I can't help myself.
0: <laughs> no, but earlier uh, in, you know, when we started the recording, uh, I asked you uh, about, you know, to share a memory with us from uh, early childhood of when you started thinking about becoming a musician and so on. If I was to listen to this album and didn't know anything about the artist who recorded it, uh, the first thought I would have is this is an album of someone who is just a voracious uh, music fan you know just listens to everything it's yeah. always kind of you know just you can't categorize their taste you know uh has, has it always been that way with you
1: a hundred percent um i mean from yeah just like give you a quick little story it's like my first love was actually baroque music not hmm. jazz i mean i'm you know actually when it comes to jazz music really the the thing that grabbed me was 20s music and and the early big band stuff Fletcher Henderson and Hot Sevens that kind of music it had that rock and roll energy you know when I say rock and roll energy I of course mean the um the visceral feeling you get when you hear music it's not the genre per se um but my first love was Baroque music uh I was listening to Bach and Handel and and Haydn and you know classical music even then just obsessed trying to get my hands on every recording I could and ever and playing on the piano and singing every part of a fugue I could mm-hmm. and that of course informed my ear uh early on and then when I was starting to sing jazz because my parents had me come up on stage with them and asked you know if you want to sing a couple songs with us you can here's uh, some songs you can learn and I was like you know that might be fun it wasn't like Something I was like, I it was born to do this, but it was that also then informed the bebop lines and seeing the similarities between Bach and bebop. Um, that that kind of seeing these similarities from two completely different centuries that that kind of tickled me. And then hearing Queen putting classical music in the rock and roll genre. I mean, Nina Simone putting classical music on "My Baby Just Cares for Me." And just then seeing the similarities and tracing lineage, you know, when you, when you become a fan of an artist or a band, what I would hope listeners would do is if you want to get into who, who they are, say, who are they listening to? And then trace that back and then say, Oh, who are they listening to? You know, Rolling Stones and Aerosmith, they're listening to the blues, Delta blues music. And, you know, uh, tracing back, who were they listening to? Were they checking out and trace it always comes back to the blues, man? Um, and that's what got me, um, I mean, to be an artist, you have to do that.
0: I think it's always important to know about the history of music. <laughs> you know, whether you're a listener or a musician.
1: It informs it informs what you do.
0: You know, speaking of that, though, of course, having that uh, knowledge of jazz, I think, must help because jazz is just so dynamic. I mean, it's evolved so much uh, since its uh, inception and even before <laughs> its origins. But... um <laughs> You know, so do do you feel that that has helped in kind of you know conceiving of uh, this as tra- trans genre as you as you call it?
1: I mean, the, we are the culmination of all our influences and inspirations, the things that we've experienced. We take it in; it gets logged in our you know emotional data banks and our he- psychological data banks. But for me, jazz, uh, in, even in my rock and roll, like my original music is a lot more on the rock and roll side, and I'm a lot more like personality-wise, I'm glam rock. That's like, you know, classic glam rock 70s. And when I'm hanging out and writing with other people in that genre, I bring I'm subconsciously bringing jazz and bebop in that's informing my rock music, which is making it something completely different than all the other bands that are just kind of, you know, copying the 70s thing as best they can and, and, and getting into that like that character and that sound. But I always urge like other artists and students of mine and that don't. You know, if, if, for example, European students of mine, um, I have this one singer who's from the Czech Republic and she wants to sing jazz and bebop and swing stuff. And she has a lot of uh, Jewish and Hebrew music in her blood. And then when I hear her sing that music, it's like a whole other singer. I mean, it's like, you know, timid on the jazz stuff, but trying and like she's working on her technique and then she sings the Hebrew stuff and it's like, bam, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And then so I, what I'm what we've been working on is trying to like fuse them together. Maybe it doesn't have to be musically, but energy and like bringing elements of that comfort that that that's what, you know, it's where you came from into what you do in the jazz world. And that'll make you different. And, and really, to be an artist, you have to do something that sets you apart. You know what makes you unique? You don't want to just, you know, follow the trends. I mean, I know Instagram and social media tries to get us all to do that, but we gotta fight that and and be unique. Yeah. And even if it means we don't trend on an algorithm, you got to be yourself. And that's what this record's about, man. Um. Yeah. I there's no other way to live, in my opinion. So the jazz music is informing the rock and roll and the the, the classical stuff, even every other on the funk and the soul, and it makes it something different, you know, just by it being an influence there and an underlying uh, inspiration.
0: track you are hearing is from Veronica Swift's recently released self-titled album, available now on Mac Avenue Records. We'll return to our conversation with the artist in a moment, but first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Is. Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of jazz is and these jazz podcasts. Go to jazz.com and click on join vinyl club. And now back to our conversation with Veronica Swift. <laughs> There's so much that I want to ask you, Veronica, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you is uh, a question that's inherent to the voice itself as an instrument because in this album, you know, we hear the voice You know, and what it can do, and what also, you know, you're experimenting a lot with the sound itself, manipulating it every now and then. There are moments where it sounds like something else. It doesn't sound like a guitar. It kind of sounds like something different. And maybe you can, uh, oh yeah, the distortion sound, right? And I just thought it was so exciting because it actually, believe it or not, took me a while to understand to realize what was going on while I was listening to it. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's a singing, a singer. And then there's this guy. I mean, the voice itself is a powerful instrument.
1: Yeah. And everybody has their own way of using it. There's no right or wrong way. And that's something that like, you know, in Western culture, we're obsessed with what is the best, who's the best, who's this, you know, who's better, Ella or Sarah, who's better, Freddie or Steven, you know, everyone's obsessed with, Oh, like Marlon Brando or the, there's just such a competitive apples and oranges, black or white thing. And I I've never really bought into that personally. Um, I love when there's actors or or artists who, or singers who are just so versatile, but the key is you still got to sound like yourself. And yeah. that's the challenge is you have to dive into, if you're going to get into a phase, you know, when it's coming, you're like, Oh, I'm totally being pulled in this direction. You have to dive into it and almost play. Like, let's say it's Michael Jackson for me. It was my, I had a Michael Jackson phase where I was copying every inflection of his voice and all oh, those dance moves. And you have to dig into the subtleties and intricacies of a phase, tracing back the lineage. Who was he checking out? James Brown. He was checking out, you know, and then get in the intricacies of that phase and, and just see where that takes you. And then you get back, you take a step out of that back to yourself and say, okay, now how can I use what I've learned in that phase to inform my own sound? Yeah, And Not everybody's into singing different styles and they say, you know, I want to just focus on one sound and one style. And that's I respect that, too. You know what works for you. What works for me is embracing the full spectrum of of sound and styles and just not just not to be like, oh, look what I can do. Look at this trick. Look at that trick. Watch me do this genre. No, it's because I just can't imagine a world where I'm not singing that music and I'm not going to sing rock and roll like a jazz singer but i'm not gonna sing jazz like a rock and roll singer i'm gonna sing it like veronica right yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's it's not many hats it's really just the same hat just turned in different sides and it you know a baseball hat turned around the other way it's a, still the same hat but <laughs> it looks different looks like ooh, that's kind of cool i like that style I like that style you can wear it different ways that's that's me i'm a baseball hat <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i you know it's uh it's interesting because you know i was obviously listening to the album i i greatly appreciated uh the references too and and you mentioned Queen a couple of times, and uh you know they would have been one of those bands that experimented a lot of course with uh you know playing with different styles in a way that maybe hadn't been done before in rock music and uh and Freddie Mercury seems to be like a huge influence for you.
1: One of the biggest. Yeah. He's like number one. Um, just cause also like he could manipulate his voice to sing in different, like he, you can hear him sing like 1920s Tin Pan Alley kind of stuff, or, you know, like, um, like vaudevillian. He's almost vaudevillian. Like my favorite rock and roll singer is Alex, Alex Harvey. And the guy, you know, these guys, Steven Tyler, even they're all, they're all vaudeville singers too. Like that, that's there. That's totally there. Like the Al Jolson kind of thing. Right. But um that. And that's something that always drew me. So it's
0: theater. It's not just music as well. It's a bit of there's a bit of theater in there too. Performance. Oh
1: gosh, yeah. And, I, and that's not for everybody, but it's definitely for me. Yeah. And I know there's people out there that die for that and love that. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's like if you if you're like somebody that feels emotion very extremely, whether it's jo- jo- to be jovial or to be in the um, annals of depression and, and anger and wrath, like all these things. It's dangerous to feel them in, you know, you want to be able to control that in an, your environment, um, but on stage is where I get to let those those energies really get uh, filtered, and and I'm not holding them in, but I'm not holding back. They get to, I get to express that stuff live. Yeah. And hopefully people… Get to come to the show and feel those feelings and get that out of their system, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also like subtlety there too. You know, that's where the jazz comes in. Jazz to me is a subtle is all about like the subtleties and intricacies of, of phrasing and using your voice, you know, uh, and I just love that I get to do all this now in one place. Uh, even with scatting, I'm scatting in different genres. I've always wanted to scat like an electric guitar player. Um, I always, you know, when you're learning how to scat, you kind of, mimic articulations of uh, the horns, the piano, um, even drums and uh, bass. And then I, w- I wanted to like translate that into rock and roll. Like you can a Robert Plant kind of does it, but I have not heard a rock and roll singer really like mimic a guitar sound to the point where, like, it literally sounds like a guitar. Yeah. And there's a few people that do it now that put the distortion on their voice, but it's not just putting a pedal and filtering your voice through that. It's the articulations and the, the shape of the wavelengths, of the sound wave, you know? So, like, rearticulating articulating every note, like a guitar rearticulates articulates and picks. So, with the voice, you have to, ah, 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 oh, ah, oh. ah, You're not going, oh, you're going, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh. ah, ah. Yeah. And then the, you know, the distortion on there it sounds like a guitar well yeah
0: that's the reason why I asked about the voice itself because I just feel like I don't know maybe maybe I'd love to know what you think but it's just so vulnerable especially nowadays it's kind of manipulated but in the wrong way not creatively but the the sound the way it should rather than you know the way it is (laughs) the way it should be
1: it's killing it's you know and I understand like I don't want to sound preachy like everybody has this the sound that appeals to them you know but I've always been a fan of of just like I, I, I love singers that it sounds like them live, you know, live and recording. Sometimes with a lot of pop music, it's so there's just so much, co- like so compressed and so so many layers and auto tune this and there's just so much production, post production elements that take away from the the soul yeah. to me. Um And also then you're then singers are copying that sound and that sound is devoid of the imperfections that make something like if you know make personality come through and then you know there's of course pop singers like Adele who then there's a real voice coming out whether it's you know safe to sing that way or not that's another issue but there's at least song and and a real voice that you can like identify half the singers on pop radio I think they all sound the same yeah you know, I can't tell who's who anymore.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, Veronica, yes, this has been a fascinating conversation, but I wanted to make sure uh, to kind of uh, mention some of the people who helped you, you know, in creating this yes. new work of yours. Well, who were some of the people who kind of uh, helped uh, bring it all to life?
1: Well, this album couldn't have been done um, without uh, Brian Viglione. I mean, it, who you have in your band, who you have producing a project with or for you, Um can make or break a record. I mean, it's not enough to just have the uh, the vision and bring it and then say, you know, you're working with people that need to think like you and and vice versa, you know? You want it to be a collaborative uh, team thing, you know? Um, Brian, I met because I had actually, I've been a Dresden Dolls fan my whole life. Um, They're one of the bands that really speaks for uh, individuality and embracing who you are and not giving into. You know the conformist mentality um the dresden dolls uh have a song called sing that i of course recorded on my last album this bitter earth uh and brian had heard it and reached out and be mentioned that he would become uh, a swift convert you know he became a, a mega fan and of course i was a mega fan for years of them and uh we just met in los angeles about september 2021 and we've been he started playing drums for me with my band and And we started writing together and working on this new kind of concept together. And he just, what he has a talent for is not only he's a great drummer, uh, but he can take an artist's vision like what he did with Amanda and vision that, you know, sometimes when you're, you know, at the artist inside the vision, you don't, you have all these ideas that span every which way. And what he knows how to do is focus it in and make streamline the ideas and make it kind of make sense, um, to the, to the listener and um, without sacrificing the original integrity. So, and of course that comes with the arrangements, the production that he has an amazing ear for production and engineering. Um, you know, like I'm a vocalist. I, I ask for certain things uh, for my voice, like how do I make it sound more like this or more metallic sound? He knows exactly what I'm, you know, he can think the way I'm thinking. He knows exactly what I'm asking for and knows how to then ask the engineer. So that's something really, really important for artists to have and to have that trust because it goes both ways too. Yeah. Um it's not just about the producer coming in and, you know, big big producer man, I'm going to, you know, control this project from the beginning to the end. It's it the artist has to give way somewhat, but there has to also be that like res- mutual respect and I have that with Brian. I am so grateful and the members of the band. Awesome. You know, it's a very tall order to have members of the band that can play can you play classical music? Can you play Chopin? Can you play bebop? Can you play or organ? Like we're in church, you know, and Adam Klippel, perfect example of a, a keyboardist that can do all those things. So it's taken a long time to get to this point. <laughs> so grateful.
0: Yes. It's exciting times, exciting times. Really. Will, uh, will you be on the road much uh, in the coming months?
1: Yeah, it's starting to come back. COVID kind of messed it all up. Um, You know, it's, it's, the, the venues have been, you know, struggling a bit, I guess. And they've been, um, we've all been kind of like knocked down, trying to figure out where we are, uh, reorienting ourselves. You know, the venues I used to play also because of my new music too. Um, I've kind of had to reinvent how I approach, uh, building my hard ticket sales and, you know, it's, it's been a huge learning curve, not just musically, but like in the, the industry has been thrown upside down. Um, for example like with albums you had all this pre kind of publicity and press that went in before the album comes out and now it seems to be a lot of it comes after the album's release i mean everything's been changed guys i mean so we're all just trying to figure it out but keep pushing on and soldiering on i have an amazing week-long run in the midwest in september we're doing chicago uh minneapolis indianapolis uh cleveland and, uh, uh, Wisconsin, you know, and then October, I've got like SF Jazz and uh, Malibu, um, North Carolina, a couple gigs in the South, um, going back to Europe, which I haven't been there in like five or four or five years, playing Ronnie Scott's, Duke de Lombard, in Paris. Um, I'm actually getting knighted in Paris while I'm there. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's amazing.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. Uh,
1: to be honored like that by a, that country. So to feel that that they still, sometimes you get in your head and you don't know if your music is reaching people. Um, that's the, the good thing I will say about social media is that it's showing me that what I'm doing is reaching people and they want us to come out, come to Paris, come to Spain, come to Japan. So it, it'll, I think it'll happen more once people see this new record and see, okay, now I know what she's doing. The questions have been, now been answered. <laughs>
0: Exciting times, yes, absolutely. As I said earlier, uh, uh, Veronica, have final question. Uh, what's the best way for people to keep up with all things <laughs> you uh, to keep up with all tour dates and everything else?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I used to not be so, uh, so much a fan of the social media content posting, but I see now that's the way to connect with with international and you know fans all, all around the world and artists. Um, so I've actually been mostly. Doing my posts on Instagram, I'm pretty, pretty active on there. So if you want to, if you're interested in getting to know me a bit, you can kind of get my personality through there. And, and I even answer my messages there. I'm like, other artists come up to me and ask, you know, career advice or music advice. I'm pretty much active on there. But I also post it to everything else, TikTok and uh, Threads and um, I don't use Twitter anymore. Who I mean, I don't really know many people who do that. No. But Facebook definitely is. It's up there. All that stuff is up there. But I'm personally active on instagram um and love to talk to people through there and connect so veronica swift official that's uh, how you can reach me on instagram and of, and of course through my website too veronicaswift.com i mean joining the mailing list you get you know early access to uh pre-downloads and pre-orders and merch bundles and tickets and whatnot
0: excellent veronica it's been such a pleasure chatting with you thanks very much for joining us
1: Thank you so much for this amazing interview. I mean, gosh, remember when I was a kid or a kid, when I say that, you know, I was doing interviews and, you know, a lot of the interviews on the come up are, where are you from? What got you into music? But now I'm so honored that I get to do interviews with people like you where it's all, it's like we get to dig into the, the nitty gritty of, of what it means to put together a project and what that project means universally to people. So thank you for asking such great questions, man. <laughs> to a love song On one sunny day You said I could do you no wrong Then you turned me away
0: I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Veronica Swift and I remind you that a recently released self-titled album is available now on Mac Avenue Records. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz Ace Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzes.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. For more. And as music from Veronica Swift's latest album plays us out, I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz's podcasts, our print magazine, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazz.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt McCucci signing off. See you soon.